Well, good morning, church. We're welcoming you into the new year at church. We are so glad that you decided to join us today. Uh, my name's Hunter. I'm the student pastor here, and today we're going to be talking about life hacks. How many of y'all know what a life hack is? You've been on social media enough. You're savvy enough. You know what's going on in the world. You know what a life hack is. Let me explain it to you a little bit. Uh, I found this one really useful. Anytime that you uh, maybe scuff some furniture, then uh, if you got a walnut in the pantry, pull out that bad boy and you rub it on that piece of wood and you can restore your own furniture. You don't need to, uh, to waste any money. You just give it a walnut. It's good to go. Now, how many of y'all, whenever you're painting, and I know you're like, oh, I'm going to paint my whole house for New Year's. I'm going to make it look great. You get so annoyed whenever that paint can has the paint dripping down the sides. Hey, listen, all you got to do, pull out a rubber band, wrap it around there, and you can now wipe off all the excess paint on that. You're good to go. Life hack. There you go. Next, you don't know what to do about that spaghetti. And uh, so you got some Pringles. You throw out the Pringles uh, because they're trash. And then you put the <laughs> spaghetti in there. And you are good to go with your Pringles can full of spaghetti. Just don't forget what's in there next time you're making pasta. Now, if you're like me, you like bagels. But sometimes whenever you go uh, to work, you're trying to carry all your stuff, your bag, your, all this stuff. And then you're trying to drive while you're eating the bagel. There's cream cheese getting all over your hands, all over your face, all over your car. It's a big mess. Listen, Get that old, I don't even, I mean, this, I don't even know what this is, but it's something that apparently held CDs for all, all you uh, older people, right? No, no, there, that is your ready-to-go CD uh, bagel receptacle. You're all set. Now, there's two things that I don't do, crochet and wear Crocs. But if you're in here and you like Crocs, I don't know what's wrong with you, but you can today have your own crochet spindle. Just put it between the Crocs as you're crocheting. Man, uh, that scarf is going to look great. Now, we had a New Year's Eve lock-in with the students. New Year's Eve to New Year's Day, we were at Lifetime Fitness getting exhausted and hating our lives. And so to wake up this morning, I use this one. You want to hit that snooze, just put some tacks, tape some tacks on there. You won't, you won't oversleep. There's all these life hacks that we have. We want really badly to kind of cut the corners in life. Uh, to me, life sometimes feels like a maze. I don't know if you feel that way, but you don't know where you're going. You're, you know where you want to go, but you don't see the destination in front of you. You're kind of wandering around, meandering through life. And you go, you know what? I need to get through this maze a little bit easier. And so today, I want to give you a life hack. And over this series, you're going to learn a lot about life that, uh, if you apply it rightly, will transform your life. We'll take that maze and make it a straight line with a destination in view. And today, I believe God has a life hack for us that if we employ it this year, we will have a year full of joy, a year full of power, a year of direction that is governed by him. And so today, we're going to be talking about wisdom, God's life hack. And why not go to the book of wisdom, the book of Proverbs? Go over to Proverbs chapter 1 with me. We're going to look at verses 1 through 6, and then we're also going to look at chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. So Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. Let's read together. Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, 
to receive instruction in wise dealing. He's saying this is the point to this book you're about to read. To receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, in justice, and in equity. To give prudence to who? The simple. Those are the easily persuaded, the people that can be moved very easily with their opinion. To give knowledge and discretion to the youth, to the young person. And the one who understands, obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying. The words of the wise and their riddles. Verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. And now jump over to chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. But in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. See, many of us are going down that maze of life and you want a straight path to your destination, which ought to be King Jesus and following him. But you need some help and I need some help today. God has given us wisdom. He wants to give you wisdom, but you have to understand and I have to understand that if we are to receive wisdom, we must first know that wisdom is a gift. Look at verses one through six. There's three groups of people that this passage identifies. The first is the simple. Those are the the people who are easily persuaded by other opinions, by people that they're around. That's at least what the Hebrew word specifically means. The, The simple can be given wisdom. The youth, the person that you look at and you go, you are too young to know anything. You are too young to be able to be wise or smart or whatever. That youth, that young person, God wants to give wisdom to them. And you know what? If you walk around and you're going, I'm wise already. I got it all figured out. I know everything. In verse, uh, chap- uh, verse 6, it says, or verse 5, it tells us, let the wise hear. He still wants you to be learning and to be gaining wisdom. No matter how wise you are, you are never as wise as God wants you to be. He wants all of us to be gaining wisdom. And he does this by giving a gift. King Solomon was uh, one of the greatest kings in all of Israel. He's the one that wrote this book. In fact, in uh, chapter one, verse one, he even identifies himself, Solomon, son of King David, king of Israel. Solomon was this incredible king. He was one of the most wealthy, the most powerful of his day. In fact, uh, he was more powerful and more wealthy than any king on the face of the earth. And God came to him and said, Solomon, I want to prepare you for your kingship. What do you want from me? I'll give you anything you want. What do you want from me? Solomon said, I want a bunch of money. Is that what he said? No. He said, I want want all the girls. Is that what he said? No. He said, I want all of the power in the land and the property. No. He said, I want wisdom. He said, I want wisdom. And because God was pleased by his answer, Because God saw that he wanted something that was righteous, he gave him all the power and all the money that he wanted as well. God is pleased to give us the gift of wisdom. And see, I love this, the fact that God will give the gift of wisdom to anyone who asks of him. He wants to give you the gift of wisdom. He is eager to give you the gift of wisdom. 
to anybody who would ask, no matter how, how silly they may seem or how uh, unwise they currently are, he wants to give wisdom to them. Now, check out James chapter 1, verse 5. It says this, if any of you lacks wisdom, and I think all of us are lacking a little bit in wisdom. We all need some. So all of us need to ask God who gives more generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. Notice it says to all, to all believers. Anyone who asks of him, if you are in Christ Jesus, you can ask God for wisdom and he will supernaturally provide wisdom to you. Who gives generously. He wants to give and lavish us with wisdom. This is a beautiful gift that God is offering to us, to anyone who would ask of him. No matter how easily influenced, how young or how wise you already are, God wants to give you more. But notice that, that if you are prideful, then God cannot give you any wisdom. See, prideful people can't accept the gift of wisdom. He wants to give it. He wants to give that wisdom, but he can't because you won't ask for it. You won't receive it. Prideful people walk around with this mentality. Oh, I know it all. I got it all, all down. I got the Christian life uh, by the horns. I understand it. I know the Bible. I've read it. I went through my whole Bible reading plan. I got this. And you're ready for 2022 and your Bible reading plan. While you're reading your Bible, start asking God for wisdom to understand it. Have you ever opened the Bible? It doesn't make sense. You can understand it. See, wisdom is, uh, is really a beautiful thing because you can have a lot of knowledge but not have wisdom. Knowledge uh, is something that you can receive. If you don't have knowledge, you're ignorant, but you can gain knowledge. You can gain knowledge, but have you ever noticed someone that's just too smart? They're just too smart even for their own good. They know a lot, but you know what they're not doing? They're not applying the knowledge. Wisdom is knowledge rightly applied to life. Are you applying the wisdom of God, the knowledge of God, right into your life? If you are, then you are living in wisdom. But the, the prideful cannot receive wisdom. They may have a lot of knowledge, but they will never know how to apply it because they are too hard-hearted to receive from God instruction. It says the fool denies instruction. Pride is the number one cause of stupidity. Because prideful people are too prideful, too arrogant to, re, to submit and receive instruction from God or from their brother or sister or from maybe even in a moment of wisdom that God gives to a child, a child. Are we too above someone else to receive the wisdom that God wants to speak through them? The second thing that we need to know is found in verse seven. This is a, a, a verse that, you may find a little confusing or scary. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So the fear of God is the beginning of knowledge. The first step in being wise is to fear God. Now, let me illustrate it this way. I, I growing up, and even now, fear my dad. I, I, I fear sometimes, I fear my wife. I fear those who I love the most. But listen, can I tell you why I fear them? It's not because I'm afraid they're going to whack me over the head or kick me out of the house. No, no, no. I am fearful of damaging my relationship with them. 
I'm afraid of doing something to sin against them, and I don't want to because I know it'll hurt our relationships. So I pursue the right relationship with them. If we fear God, we will fear hurting our, our God's heart, hurting our daddy's heart, and sinning against him. But to not fear God means I'm just going to do what I want because my relationship with God does not matter that much. That's what we say when we sin and we get into patterns of sin is we reject God and we don't pursue his heart and pleasing his heart. See, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. If you uh, were to survey 100 people on the street and you were to ask them one question, who is Jesus Christ? You're going to get 100 different answers, right? You're going to get all sorts of answers that talk about, well, he was a good teacher. He was a moral guy. He was this. He was that. You have all these images of Jesus. In fact, in the in the uh, 1000s and into the 1300s, the Catholic Church started uh, depicting Jesus as a white European guy. Can I tell you, Jesus is not a white guy. Jesus was born in uh, Israel. He was born in Palestine. He was a Middle Eastern guy. But see, we have this tendency to really want to make Jesus into our own image. We want to make Jesus look like us, act like us, talk like us. Whenever you survey those people, you'll find that most of them, when they depict Jesus, are actually holding a mirror up and describing themselves. They are worshiping themselves, not Jesus. Can I tell you today, some of us in here might even be guilty of this. You can't make Jesus more like you. But you know what? Jesus can make you more like him. You can't make Jesus more like you. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. But you can be made more like him. That's a beautiful truth that Jesus came not to make us comfortable with who he is, but to make us more like him. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. He's in the life transformation business, not the conforming business. He wants to make you in to his image. But can I tell you that the real Jesus who does not look like you, who does not talk like you, who does not live like you, who is higher and wiser and smarter and more gracious and more loving than you and me, we sometimes want to deny that Jesus because he convicts us. Can I just tell you about the real Jesus for a minute? The Jesus that you find in the Bible, not that you find out on the street with people's opinions, man's opinion, or that many churches will preach, but the Jesus of the Bible that this church preaches, this real Jesus is worthy of your highest respect and adoration. The real Jesus is worthy of our highest respect and adoration. If we are to obtain wisdom, We must be people who submit to this Jesus. The real Jesus was born in a manger. The real Jesus, we just celebrated his birth, but his life was sinless. His life was perfect, born in a carpenter's family, a working class family, lived his whole life without sinning a single time, and then he was punished on a cross that he created for our own sin. He was nailed to that piece of wood. And on that piece of wood, he forgave everyone who put him there, including you and me, everybody who would call out to him and 
repent of sin and believe in him, he made it possible for them, for us, to have a right relationship with God and spend eternity in heaven. But he didn't stay dead. Yes, he paid the price on the cross. But three days later, he came bursting out of the grave. He left those grave clothes behind, folded in the tomb, and he went off to secure victory for anyone who would believe. See, a dead man is someone that, yeah, you, you might like his teachings or his claims, but the man who died and rose again is Lord of all and must be bowed down to and must be given our lives. He is worthy of all of our respect and all of our adoration. The real King Jesus today is sitting in heaven, ruling supreme over all of the world. And we like to make Jesus into this sissy Jesus, this little Jesus that we think is like us, that we think is going to satisfy our wants and desires, but the real Jesus is sitting in heaven and he is reigning supreme and he is calling out to sinners to be saved by putting their faith and trust in him. That's the real Jesus and that real Jesus will return one day and he will return in power, he will return in glory and he's going to make all the wrongs in the world right. All the injustice out there, he'll make right. All the injustice in here, he will make right. He will make everything that is broken whole again. But can I tell you that if we are broken and if we are the problem, that is not good news because he will come back to punish the evildoer, the one living in their own wisdom and not his. And I know it's a scary thing to talk about hell, but when Jesus returns, for those who have rejected him, he will allow them to spend eternity rejecting him in hell. But to those who have put their faith in him, he will give a crown, a crown that we can cast at his feet in worship. Where are you? I heard it said the other day, a lot of times we think that there's a narrow way, there's a broad way, but then there's the express lane. (laughs) You're kind of in the the middle. That's like the HOV. Yeah, you're not in the fast lane or the, the slow lane, but you're in the express lane. You're in the HOV lane. You found your own way, the middle way. There is no middle way. There's only one way to Jesus. There's only one way to heaven, and it's by faith alone in him and what he's done for you. Will you start your new year off if you have never put your faith and trust in him by doing that today? You can be wise, but you must first fear God. The third point is this. You and I need to selectively choose who we will trust. Select very carefully who you will trust. Uh, In in chapter three, verse five, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Imagine you're in a boat and there's another canoe right there. And and you're like, I'm gonna gonna transfer from this canoe because this one's sinking over to this canoe because this one is still floating. There's no holes in the bottom. And so you kind of step over and you have your two feet in each canoe. Let's say the canoes start drifting. And this canoe that's sinking, you're like, okay, well, maybe I can jump back in that one, or maybe I should go all in this one. But if I jump in this one, then I'm going to go downhill, and I'm not going to be saved anyway. But if I jump in this one, I, I, I might miss, I might fall in. I, I just don't feel really secure. And so you're, you're wavering between these two opinions. And they drift. And if you're like me, you can't do the splits very well. You're going to fall in. Can I tell you today, the vast majority of people 
that are gathering in churches across America are straddling two canoes, one foot in Jesus, one foot in the world, one foot in their own desires, one foot in heaven, pretending that, oh, if I, if I just have one foot over here where, where I know where Jesus is, he's going to come back. Yeah, 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 I get all that. But I still really like that addiction. I still really like living that way, talking that way, thinking that way, having that opinion, living this way. And I think I know what's best, but Jesus says he knows what's best. So let me just, let me get on the express line. Let me straddle these two opinions. See, the Bible calls that being double-minded. Being double-minded. And listen, you can't trust two things at the same time. You can't fully trust two things at the same time. Notice this verse does not say trust partially in the Lord with part of your heart. It says trust in the Lord with all your heart. What is it you're not trusting him today? What is it that you have that foot in the other canoe that pretty soon it's going to sink and you're going to fall or the two are going to drift away and you're going to fall in either way? The only safety is in the canoe that is Jesus. The only safety is in him and him alone. And you have to have two feet in and your butt in and your head in and everything in. You got to go all in with King Jesus, that one who's coming back. That's the one we need to be all in with. James 1.8 says that, talking about the double-minded, he's a double-minded, unstable in all his ways. You know that person that's always shaking because they're straddling two canoes and they can't get their balance. Are you today shaky? You can have wisdom today by selecting who you will trust carefully. And attempt, this is very interesting, very powerful. Today, abandon your attempts to trust yourself and abandon your attempts to go your own way. And today, trust in Jesus fully. Go all in. It may be really scary to jump from this position that may be precarious, but you're kind of secure in it and jump all in to Jesus over here. It may be really scary to give up that thing that you keep going back to all the time, to give up that lifestyle, to give up those friends that you know will think you're a weird Jesus freak. You know who I'm talking about. It's going to be hard to go all in with Jesus, but I can guarantee you there is nothing better than going all in with Jesus. There's nothing better. Uh, Hudson Taylor, an incredible man of God, once said, Christ is either Lord of all or he is not Lord at all. Amen. What is it that Christ is not Lord of your life in? Today, surrender that to him. Make him the Lord of that so that he can be the Lord of all for you and in your life. And number four, embrace God's wisdom in your prayer life. Embrace God's wisdom in your prayer life. In verse 6 of Proverbs chapter 3, it says this. In all your ways. I don't know what all your ways means for you, but I know what it means for me. It means whenever I go to work. It means whenever uh, the way I talk to Selena, the way that I uh, deal with my money, the way that I do everything, all my ways, my relationships, my friendships, everything, I need to be acknowledging him. Acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Acknowledge him today. Embrace God's wisdom in your prayer life. Remember that maze I mentioned at the beginning? Do you feel lost in that maze today? You may have trusted Jesus in your personal life by faith and, and you're following Jesus and you're trying to, but it's really hard right now. 
Uh, you don't know which direction to turn. That You see where that guy, he's, he's right at a precipice. He's got a decision to make. He can go down here to a dead end, or he can keep going. And you're going, I don't know which way I should go today. I've heard it explained that, that prayer is like a wartime communication device. It's like a wartime radio. In the middle of the battle, in the middle of your crazy life, in the middle of whenever nothing seems like it's going right, you got to pick up your wartime radio. Get on the horn with God. Talk to God. Imagine in this picture if there were a tower over the maze. Maybe we are in the tower right now. You can see it. How silly would it be for that person to not take instruction from someone up in the tower? They can see everything that's going on. They know what's going on. They can see if you're going down the right way or the wrong way. But what if you say, no, 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 I don't want to talk to you. You'll be lost for hours. Maybe lost if you're like me for days. It's going to be hard to get out of that maze. I, I think that in the maze of life, if we don't open our communication with God, we'll spend the rest of our days lost in a daze. We will, we'll be lost asking, how do I get out of here? How do I deal with the situation? And the more you ask yourself, the less you're going to ask God. And I've heard it said that if self is the problem, then self can't be the solution. Are you relying on yourself today or embracing God's wisdom in your prayer life? See, a lot of times we don't really understand what prayer is, I think. I, I don't know about you, but I didn't, I didn't learn to pray until I was like in college after I'd been saved throughout my middle school and high school. Nobody ever taught me how to pray. Um... See, prayer is acknowledging God in everything. Whenever you saw that verse where it said, pray, or where it said, acknowledge God in all your ways, that's what prayer is, acknowledging God. Because listen, failing to acknowledge God is rejecting God. Failing to talk to God, failing to have a relationship, failing to continue the relationship, that is absolute rejection. How do you think it feels for the guy who's really desperate? He finds that girl. They go on a few dates, and then all of a sudden, he keeps sending their messages, but it's all left on red. You know what I'm talking about? Some people, they just want to reject you by not talking to you, but today, how many of us have left God on red? How many of us have left God without returning his call, without talking? He sent us the Bible. He sent us God's word. He sent us people in our lives, but we have rejected him. Today, open that communication back up and start by saying, God, I'm sorry that I have not been talking to you. I'm sorry I haven't been spending time with you, listening to what you have to say to me. I'm sorry, God, but I want to follow you. See, acknowledging God mean, means talking with God. To acknowledge God is to talk with him. You can't talk with someone that you have never acknowledged. Today, are you rejecting God by refusing to talk to him in all your ways? God, how am I going to spend my money today? God, how am I going to treat my family today? God, how am I going to deal with this new year? You know, God, those New Year's resolutions, I never keep up with them. Will you help me this time? Because I cannot do it on my own power. See, as 1 Corinthians or 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. That doesn't mean being religious and folding your hands every single time so that everybody sees that you're praying. What it means is as you go through life, Keep that dialogue, that, that walkie-talkie conversation going and never let it stop because whenever your prayer life ceases, your direction ceases. 
You don't know where to go anymore. So seek God in your prayer life and in reading his word. So a few hacks for becoming wise I just want to leave you with. If you apply these, and if I apply these this year, uh, we will have a year far greater and far different than uh, 2021. We're going to have a year full of wisdom. So first off, become wise by confessing that you need help. Remember the proud, they're stupid because they won't take help. I think the, the proud people that are prideful are needy people rejecting the great provider. Today, acknowledge that you are not enough. No matter what your mama told you, you are not enough. You need God to speak into your life. So confess to him, I need your help, God. Number two, become wise by embracing instruction from God. We can become wise by embracing instruction from God's word. As you open this book, can I just tell you, yeah, you can talk to God, but if you never let him talk back to you through the word, then that's a one-way conversation. That's no way to have a healthy relationship. Some of you are great in prayer life, but some are terrible in reading the word. Some are great in reading the word, but terrible in your prayer life. You can't uh, do that. You have to have both in order to have the relationship be healthy. Number three, become wise by trusting Jesus instead of yourself. There's a way that seems right to a man as this book of Proverbs says, but it leads to destruction. There's a way that seems right, but in the end, it will lead to death. The more we trust our own ways, the more we find ourselves flailing and drowning in the craziness of life because we don't know how to fix it. But the God in the tower looking down on the maze, he can direct our paths. So start trusting him instead of you and then fourth and finally, become wise by acknowledging Jesus through unceasing prayer. Not the Jesus that you've invented in your mind because he's comfortable and he doesn't judge anyone and he's not angry at sin or sinners or anything. No, no, no. Trust in the Jesus of the Bible who, while angry at sin, died for sinners to have a relationship with him and live forever in heaven. Become wise today by acknowledging Jesus through unceasing prayer in your life. I want to end with a story that, uh, that whenever I, I experienced this, um, I, I couldn't shut up about it. So some of you have already heard me talk about this story, but um, there was a, a season back in 2021 when uh, we didn't have any students getting saved or baptized. And uh, there was about three months that I didn't, three or four months that we didn't see any uh, student give their life to Christ uh, or, or get baptized. And I was going what is going on here? Because listen, I, I just want to be honest with y'all, show all my cards as a student pastor here. I am not interested in setting up a club for students to come and have fun and just do a bunch of games and all that. No, no, we are about life transformation through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the preaching of God's word. You heard last week, Jason come, he's our associate student pastor and he preached a word. That's the preaching that they get on Wednesday nights. That, that, this is the preaching they get on Wednesday nights, the full word of God, the full truth. And listen, it's booming. There are kids flocking to hear about Jesus because they don't want fluff and puff. They want spirit and truth. Amen. They want something to change their lives. They know that they're needy. They don't need people to judge them. They need people to love them and point them to King Jesus. So listen, whenever we're, we're gathering, we're not about just hanging out and entertaining and babysitting. That is not our job. Our job is to point them to King Jesus. So 
I thought, well, what's going on? There's no salvations happening. There's no power. Why is this not happening? So uh, our staff, our student staff, Carson, our intern, Jason, and, and I, we just started praying. On Thursday mornings, I started asking our prayer team to pray. Uh, our students, our student leadership team, that's comprised of about 12 students uh, from middle school all the way through seniors, they started praying. Our leadership team, I asked them to pray. Like we were praying and asking God. There were prayer meetings before every single Wednesday night service. There were prayer meetings before every single uh, young adult service on Thursday nights. We had prayer meetings out the wazoo. And I can tell you there were moments where I just sat in silence going, God, will you speak? Because I don't know what to say, but I need you to speak and tell us where to go next. And whenever that happened, he started speaking. And there was, from the time that we started praying to the time that we saw the first salvation and baptism was about three days. And that just kept going. And there were about 17 students who gave their lives to Christ and were baptized through about a two-month period. And there were students, I was just talking to one uh, at the lock-in, I don't even know how I remember because I was so exhausted, but um, I was talking to this kid at the lock-in and they were saying, man, that was a crazy time. And I said, you know what happened? We started praying. Do you want things to happen in your life and in this church that you could not even dream of today? Do you want to see the Holy Spirit pour out his power on this place and on your life and on your family? If you start talking to God and you start letting him talk to you, I guarantee you supernatural things will happen. But when we shut off the supernatural, we shut off God, we just want to be pragmatic and do what works. That will lead to destruction. That's why churches die is because they're not praying. They're not seeking God. They're not seeking revival. They're not asking for the Holy Spirit to pour himself out. So we need to do that here. The more we do that, the more this community will be changed forever. I wonder how long it'll be until the people of Rowlett, the people of Dallas are buzzing about what's going on in Rowlett, Texas. There's a bunch of weirdos over there. They're, they're loving people. They're embracing people that we should be rejecting. They, they keep having these big gatherings where all these people are giving their life to Christ. What does that mean? I wanna go see what that's all about. When will it be that we will hack life by submitting to God's wisdom. So I, I just want to ask you today, will you declare, I will hack life by seeking God's wisdom? Will you decide that God's wisdom is better than mine? No matter how smart you think you are, you're not smarter than God. I hate to burst the bubble. It's true that we need to today seek God's wisdom and not our own. Uh, if you're in here and you need to take that next step, I think of faith, our faith journey, like, like a, a long walk with God. You need to take that next step with God. Maybe you've been stopped for a season and, and you need to take that next step. And maybe that next step for you is putting your faith and trust in Christ for the first time. And you would say, I haven't even started my journey with Jesus because I've never accepted him as my Lord and my Savior and I want him to be my Lord and Savior today. You can make that decision today. There's going to be pastors up here ready to receive you, who want to pray, who want to encourage, and just be there as you're walking, buddy, through this journey of life. So would you come and make that decision public today? And maybe you were baptized as a baby, or you haven't been baptized at all, but, but you saw what just happened earlier in this service, and you said, I want to put my faith in Christ, but I also want to tell the world about what he has done for me through water baptism. Today, you can come and choose to be baptized. Would you do that today?
And maybe you would say, this maze of life is really hard. It's hard to remember to pick up my telephone and talk to God. It's hard to remember to trust in his wisdom and not my own. I need people around me to help me with this this year in 2022. So would you come and today join the church publicly professing that you wanna be a part of what God's doing here. Whatever it is, your next step is, take it. Don't sit idle in your pew. Get out and move. Take that next step. Let me pray for you.